last time on Dice Funk. Yeah, those are elves. Uh, there's some kind of regular elf. There's a drow, and then one of the... Eladrin? God, consarn it. Eladrian. Does anyone even own these lands? Uh, Rex, the, the Hecatonkeries, just says, Land's mine. Claim for giants. Green, like, potion of ray of sickness, like, lashes out toward him. And I think for non-lethal, that, that, like, it's just, like, kind of like a surface level, like, poison damage that, like, affects, like, all of his limbs and stuff. And then he collapses. I, I think Gladys has to go with the drow. I think that's the funniest <laughs> option here. I th- I th- Not to pressure I'm, you, but I feel like it's the correct option. I'm imagining, like, Throg and Trayan, like, teaming up with the other two elves and just, like, comedically leaving Gladys, like, six feet away from the drow and and, 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 she, and she just kind of hides behind her notebook looking up at him, like, I can make this work. <laughs> Mines require infrastructure. They would have to have probably have some sort of on-site staff at all times. So there would need to be places for housing. Uh, so I'd like to roll survival to sort of get a lay of the land of where nearby sources of water are. Uh, good places to source food, resources, things like that. The best spot to put like a, a, a main building, a warehouse, uh, defensible locations, that sort of thing. I got a 22. Uh, in addition to the comedy and the, the horror we've inflicted, uh, which is uh, you can just kind of hold on to uh, a, a Glockstrapod and ride it to the top. Mm-hmm. If you could collect this slime it extrudes, it could speed up processing. You wouldn't need the snail itself. Um, and it, there appears to be uh, just a, a symbol of a pickaxe in addition to the writing. Uh, but you do not know how to open this this door. But it's in the ground, so it's almost like you know if 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 it did open underneath you, you would fall. Uh, but it just does not have an any obvious mechanism. As an ascended dragon monk, one of the things that Trayan has available to him is a feature called Wings Unfurled, where if he uses a key, he unfurls spectral draconic wings that gives him a flight speed equal to his walking speed until the end of his turn. But I think something interesting that happens is that uh, Sid plays a couple of notes on her piccolo and just floats up off the ground with the spell fly. Mm. I got a three. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's a, botch. a I think that's, yeah, that's a one. But Throg, at the very least, suspects one of the elves is going to be a traitor. But Trayan botches. So what happens here, I think, is that uh, even though you have good reflexes, uh, Sid the bard um, is like a little too close. Maybe she gets like splashed with acid from the, the Glockstrapod and like jumps back and bumps into you uh, as they fall into an abyss, which as far as you know, ends thousands of feet below. Well, we're, we are in a very exciting time right now. No party splits to worry about. No character is about to just die a horrible death. So, you know, I think we're, we're in a good, uh, pretty good spot, right? 
It is a low-intensity opening, unlike last week where we spent a half an hour talking about left-handed pandas. I had to cut a lot of that out uh, because it really distracted from the introductions, so much so that they didn't make it onto the recording. <laughs> so this week, <laughs> we do need to introduce ourselves to the audience. Not me, you know it's Austin Yorsky, but for the other people who haven't shown up the whole first half of the season who you might not be familiar with, who are you and what are the characters you're playing? All right. Well, I, I, well, listen, as the one who is probably the most familiar, because people have been hearing my voice all season, uh, I'm Michael Schicciano. I go by Skitch. I do production assistance here on Dice Funk, um, music, tabletop-related antics in other areas. You can find me on Twitter on Skitch Music. You can go to my website, which is either michaelskitchiano.com, skitchstudio.com, or skitchmusic.com. Um, or you can, of course, go to the Bandcamp, which is... Uh, skitch.bandcamp.com with that being said though uh i'm playing as Treyan drenkesh which is the uh dragonborn the bronze dragonborn monk of the party here all right i guess i'm up uh hi my name is dan i'm a dancing monkey that gets trotted out when needed uh, you can't really find me anywhere online. I've got an Instagram, uh, marvelous Mr. D 37. No, no, Mr. Leonard 37. That was it. Uh, as you could tell, I am not a uh, content creator online. Um, other than that, if you need to find me, uh, go to any Denny's parking lot. I'll be there. Uh, I I'm playing Throg, the dragonborn ranger. Uh, yeah. I played Gorbo Gutterslump in the past or whatever. I don't think left-handed people should have rights. <laughs> don't confuse the issue. <laughs> okay, hello. Um, my name is Sarah. Uh, I also go by Cosmignon pretty much everywhere that you can find me online. I have a Twitter, Cosmignon, a Tumblr, Cosmignon, Instagram, Cosmignon underscore SD, uh, Patreon, Cosmignon, Coffee, Cosmignon. Uh, I have a webcomic that you can read called Rotterway Jekina. And I forgot to mention this the first time I ever did introductions, but I do also have commissions open if you ever want me to draw your little D&D characters. That is my little niche. I do that all the time. Okay. <laughs> Links in the description for all of that. So last we left the adventure. Oh. Uh, you found a big door. Oh, no. What's I up? play Gladys. <laughs> <laughs> I play Gladys right. Antimony, the kobold artificer. And you know what? I'll undercut any of Cosmignon's uh, commission prices by 10%, but it's going to be done in MS Paint. <laughs> wow. That's the free market, baby. That's the invisible hand coming for you. Damn. <laughs> Fucked up. All right. So last we left our party, uh, you found a big door on top of an iron butte uh, and... Our, our favorite ranger, Throg, convinced a snail to melt around it mm -hmm. because you couldn't figure out how to open it the way it was designed. Uh, but when, when the, the snail, which we are calling the Glockstrapod, uh, got about halfway done digesting the metal, uh, the, the weight of this door just kind of caved in the top of uh, this structure. Uh, you weren't expecting it. We rolled dexterity saves. Treyan botched uh, and tumbled into the abyss with the elf Sid, uh, the bardic uh, adventurer, and you two just plummeted into darkness. We discussed last week that like Devil's Tower is like 5,000 feet tall, so not a survivable drop 
if it's a straight shot to the bottom and a, a quick stop. Uh, we will figure out. Trayanne? I, I was going to say, like, like, listen, okay, I, I can reduce the damage of the fall by 30 because of me being a mug, but I, I don't know if that actually will help in this case. We will find out. But before we cut to that, I specifically want to start with Throg, Gladys, uh, Justine, and Bronco, uh, the party and the two elves they're with, uh, looking down into the hole that you just made. Uh, because, like, as the door collapsed inward, it, like, you know, ripped a bunch of the ground with it. And it is now just a, a shaft into darkness. Um, that is how structural collapse works as you're all just looking down. Uh, what do you do? What do you say? Uh, Throg is going to immediately set to work with that, uh, to try to rescue these two or recover their corpses, essentially. Um, is the snail still here? Sure, yeah, this, the Glockstrapod is still here. All right, well, I'm going to have to try to ride it down to the bottom. <laughs> All right, animal handling to start the episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, l- l- listen, listen. I'm on my break. Okay, I already did a bunch of work. You didn't commission me to do. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you literally eat what this place is made out of. You get paid in food. <laughs> uh, I got a 15. All right. So uh, you direct the Glockstrapod to start climbing down the vertical shaft that is now in the top of the butte. You hold on to it and it starts snailing straight down. Uh, Gladys, what about you? Uh, Gladys is. So, so this is like just like a straight pit down, right? It's not like. It's not. Can you climb down at all? She, like, or attempt to? Uh, so you would not know until you get down into it. It's just darkness as far as you can see. Uh, if you would like to uh, scale it, uh, that would be uh, athletics. Okay. Hmm. Before she does that, Gladys is going to like kind of frantically look over to the elves and, and, and just kind of like look at them and then look at the hole, then look back up. It's like, do you have... Can, can, can I, like, I, 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 I'm not very strong. I can just go down there and try, but, like, um, I was wondering if you had ideas first. We could put our heads together. Uh, Bronco the drow looks at you, Gladys, and kind of does that smile he often does and takes off his big, scary, spiky helmet uh, and says, uh, this thing keeps you from getting scared, if that helps, and just kind of drops it onto your, your cobalt <laughs> noggin. <laughs> Um, and that the actual effect of this is, uh, you have immunity from the status effect fear, uh, which probably would be helpful to climb down a dark hole, uh, into an abyss that you cannot see. Um, but then the two of them just like get out ropes, uh, like from their adventuring kit and start trying to like make repelling, um, situations. Oh yeah. Like, like, um, if Bronco does that, then like, I do think Gladys is going to feel a little more confident in trying to scale down this melted hole that was made by the Glockstrapod. So she will now do that athletics check. You know, if need be, I could tie Gladys to this snail, and I have a climb (laughs) speed. (laughs) Well, you've already succeeded, so Throg's good. I need a roll with advantage from Gladys because your your nerves have been magically uh, steeled here. This helmet makes you feel like you are a very powerful spider climbing across a web full of trapped flies. Ooh. All right. Rolling with the advantage. That is a crit minus one, so 19. 
All right, that's what we need. Uh, so you get down perfectly. If anything, your movements are a little uncanny. Like if someone watched you, they were like, "Oh, this person has like sticky fingers, like you know, like a like a spider," and they're just moving with too much ease, and it's creeping me out. <laughs> I think it's even more uncanny because I think we established that Gladys does have like kind of the like blue tongue skink like little limbs like the little arms and legs so like i don't think she <laughs> should be able to climb as easily as she's doing it all right so the party succeeds uh there's nobody falls uh there's no like further cave-ins this is this is a great way to start uh, i will say as you start descending uh it is too dark to see there are no light sources inside of this mesa do any of you have dark vision uh, let me see. Uh, mm, Gladys should, Throg shouldn't, as, as far as I know. Yeah, so I guess Throg will light a torch and hold it in his teeth. That's a, that's a cool look, man. Uh, yes, Gladys has dark vision. You can see dim light in 60 feet and in darkness as if it were dim light. Yes, kobolds are famously underground species. They have a, a rivalry going back eons with... Uh, the gnome god, I believe, who trapped their god in a in a tunnel, very uh, tricksterly. Um, why do I remember all of that, and I can't remember my sister's birthday? <laughs> <laughs> As you descend down this shaft uh, with the torch in your teeth or with your dark vision, you see uh, something strange about it, which is that it is not a straight shot. Uh, first you see movement and you think, oh, there's something else in here uh, climbing on the walls like we are. Um, but then you see it again. You have a crit, Gladys, so I'm giving you this with clarity, which is that there are blocks of iron, like perfect cubes, shifting around. And they are going across the shaft and up and down and so forth in a way reminiscent of like Tetris pieces. And there's like tetrominoes and then longer um, prisms of iron just moving around. It seems like the intent was if you opened the door according to the instructions, uh, they these iron blocks would have formed some kind of staircase down for you to just walk. But having destroyed the door, uh, you, it is almost like a security system now. And these giant cubes and prisms are just um, moving wildly. Uh, in our crushing hazard as you descend. So we're in like a like a Mario underground level with a bunch of thwomps. <laughs> yeah, so that's how if that's how you parse it best, uh, this is it's thwomp time. All right, so we're going to have to jump on a couple of turtles here. <laughs> yes, we almost invented turtles last episode. <laughs> that would have been a, a, a before, very on the nose. before we landed on the snails. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, two people who are climbing down, uh, what do you roll or cast or do to avoid being crushed between large, uh, Tetris pieces of pure iron? I gave you the option for bismuth. We went with iron. It's much harder. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, are, are they like sort of moving randomly or is it like repeated actions here? Because Gladys crit, I'm going to give you the information, which is that they're trying to crush you, but they are not uh, behaving perfectly because as the door caved in and fell down uh, this lo long hallway to the bottom, uh, it like slammed into the walls a couple times and has damaged some of this. So it is like there is an intent that if, if you bypass the security, that they would be it would be a perfect, you know, crushing system, like a defense 
array mm-hmm. array, but uh, it's damaged, so it is not operating uh, ideally. Uh, okay. The only thing I can think to do in this scenario, at least with my my set of skills, is uh, cast entangle on like the largest concentration of them to to try to like bind them up for a little bit. All right. So, what is your spell casting focus as a ranger? I don't think we've talked about this. Um. That's a that's a good question. I don't think I was required to take one, but if I had to had to have one, uh, I think it would be uh, the uh, teeth and horns of my last Drake companion. Ooh, dramatic! Uh, sort of like uh, tied around his wrist, like a like a bracelet. All right, yeah, I'm looking this up right now. Entangle does not require material components, so you don't need a focus to bypass it. But for my visual, I, I like having one just in, in hand here. So rangers mm-hmm. often have just like a bundle of, uh, you know, berries and leaves or something, just some nature shit. Uh, right. So your your idea is much cooler and, dare I say, throggier. Mm-hmm. Um, to escape an entangle, let's see here. Strength saving throw to escape from the entanglement. Uh, these blocks, st- strictly speaking, don't have strength in the traditional way. <laughs> Seven. That's not going to do it. Nope. The DC was 13. All right. So paint me the picture. This works perfectly and Throg is not crushed. All right. I think Throg uh, realizes that it's coming to get him. Uh, and he, he holds out his hand that has the... Um, uh, the the bracelet of bones and and horns on it, uh, and out of like the walls of this um, uh, this cavern, uh, large vines and plant life sort of uh, just burst forth and start grabbing at the the cubes, almost making kind of like a web, uh, restraining them in place as they like creak, trying to go to crush him. All right, perfect, Throg. You are going to be able to make it down without injury. Gladys, do you have any idea to help? Uh, yeah, I had an idea that um, to get past all these crushing like blocks of iron that Gladys might be able to use the spell Enlarge Reduce and specifically like use it to make herself so small that she could just avoid getting crushed. Like when, to, to continue the Mario example, when you can just like jump in a little hole and, the, and get the, the thwomp like lands, but you don't get hit. All right. Yeah, that's a high risk, high reward maneuver. I'm thinking becoming small when things are trying to crush me could work out the other way as well. Uh, so if you want to spend the spell slot, what I'm going to need from you is an acrobatics, I believe, to like successfully navigate between the blocks as you small fall. Okay. And I think the the, the way like this being like high risk, high reward is just like I'm I'm. I'm leaning more into like being fearless at least for this descent down it's it's the catch 22 of the helmet she's she's not able to be afraid of this idea (laughs) she's not able to think cautiously and therefore got a six on acrobatics all right so gladys you see a giant iron cube coming to smash you and you decide to become small this is what uh, some philosophers would call a bad move, and you are, <laughs> and smushened for eleven damage uh, as you're you're half the size of your already small body when the large heavy object slams into you and starts grinding you against the wall before you can slip out um, and continue down. Um, that 
hurt. Ouchie. <laughs> I silently gasped at that. I'm like, oh no. She she is still alive, but that was a pretty bad hit. <laughs> I thought you were going to reduce the block. I was not expecting it to happen to you. <laughs> I, honestly, Sam, I didn't want to influence your choices, but I really, when you said enlarge or reduce, I'm like, ah, oh, yes, so they'll bounce off you like useless pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were like, no, uh, honey, I shrunk the kids. Honey, I shrunk the kobold, yes. Uh, I was yeah. thinking of, like, Alice in Wonderland, because, like, since, since she's, like, an alchemist potion maker, like, I was thinking of, like, that classic, like, drink me bottle from a lot of Alice in Wonderland stuff. Yikes. All right, so you get hit pretty hard. Uh, Throg, you make it through, and then we will, uh, you know, the camera plummets, plummets, plummets into the darkness as we catch up with Treyan and Sid, who fell. Treyan, uh, did you do anything to reduce uh, fall damage here? Because uh, you are falling in darkness. You do not have dark vision. Uh, you cannot see where you're going. And after a while, you reach terminal velocity, and you're like, this is going to end poorly. <laughs> Well, I do have a way to slow my fall. Um, not that's beyond just being a regular monkey. That is, well, I, I have the um, ability to make wings because of the monk type of monk I am with the uh, wings unfurled feature. Um, to get a fly, to get at least a fly speed to try and slow myself down a little bit. But aside from that, all I could do is, you know. Uh, dodge things, grab at things as I fall, and do what I can to uh, minimize the impact as much as I can. All right, so the dexterity saving throw is what got you into this situation. Can I get a strength saving throw uh, to, as your wings unfurl, uh, use them to slow your descent, you know, with flapping or by bracing against things as they fly by you? Uh, let's see how this works. Uh, that is a six, so that's not going to be very good. That's correct. So the wings are going to save your life, but you are going to take eight damage. Could have rolled better. You see that red glowing mm -hmm. one in the roll 20. Uh, <laughs> you you slam an elbow into one of these these box, these, you know, cubes that are grinding around uh, and you, you spin through the air, but your wings save you. Uh, do you do anything to help Sid? You see, uh, you know, you feel rather her near you fallen, but uh, it's too dark to see. Yeah, I, I'm basically as... We're both kind of falling faster. Um, Trey and Will sort of instinctively reach out to grab at Sid and try to more or less use his body to help absorb some of the impact of things as we bounce up against stuff. Um, he's going to do whatever he can to hold on to Sid while doing what he can to slow down slash mitigate things uh, all the way down. All right. Constitution saving throw to use your body to help navigate the situation. That is a five. And here we go again. Uh, this is uh, not as bad a consequence as uh, having your body exploded like mm -hmm. a Tupperware full of soup on the bottom here, but mm -hmm. 11 damage. Good gosh, that's three straight saving throws the train has not done well with, but only one botch of those, I guess. So, yeah, you, you grab Sid in the darkness, uh, a cube like hits you in the back, you spin over, uh, she tries to grab onto one, slips, and you start, start, you're hitting every branch on the way down here in the darkness. You have taken uh, nearly 20 damage, um, and it's only the wings that allow you to stabilize and not uh, just 
plummet to your death. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, though, you have <laughs> cleared this corridor of cubes and begin uh, falling more controlled to some sort of ground because it does end eventually. Do you think that Sid thinks that this is great material for her ballad of the loser? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think as as you go like the last, you know, a uh, couple hundred feet in here, you just hear the the piccolo doing errant notes as she's like, no, b- blood and pain. No, hold on. A bruise it. Oh, fuck. She's like trying to figure out how to make this into a song. She's like, this will be great if I don't die. Uh-huh. <laughs> I figured that like there's just like a, a pretty hard landing either way, just you know, train just on the ground with Sid on top while still just musing over the piccolo a bit more. So Yeah. Uh but so assuming that we hit the ground we don't continue to fall, uh Tran is going to see if he can make out anything around him while just groaning out the pain of being well of taking that entire gauntlet like that yes as you as you kind of come to a rough landing on the ground and you both like start you know like rolling and then come to a stop you hear a couple of last notes where she's like broken wings foot failure and uh, what rhymes with what rhymes with ow no uh, how Oh, you're alive. Oh. That's not really as good of an ending as I was hoping for, but uh, she comes over and you, you like help each other up. Uh, are you doing okay, Sid? Hmm. It depends if I can figure out how to describe the sensation we just went through. It'll be worth it if I can really capture the the terror and the the void, if that makes sense. Unfortunately, I'm not... I'm not much of a muse myself, so... But what the heck is this place? Um, I think they call it a hole. Where uh, I'm from, it's called a hole. We're at the bottom of it, I think. Yeah, so you, you can kind of like look back up where you came from, and the, the surface is so far away that you like can't really make out even like a pinprick of light. Eventually, that's just how it works when you get so far under uh, the underground. Well, uh, at least we're alive. But uh, while you're thinking of some words for your song, we might as well just try to find a way out of here. All right. Why don't you roll me a survival? You got it. Uh <laughs> That would be a 12 on the survival. All right. So that is average. So you find something here, uh, which is you're wandering through the dark. Uh, You can't really see where you're going. You're just kind of groping around. She's doing the same. You do this kind of uh, physical comedy routine for a minute. There's there's going to be a gap before people catch up because, you know, the other elves had to um, uh, attach ropes and uh, Throg had to coax the snail. Uh, It was like a whole situation. So uh, eventually you feel something and you uh, it's as you're feeling around in the dark. Uh, and you try to like, is this a handle? Is this some kind of switch or lever? And you start like, you know, jiggling it. Uh, and then the whole cavern you're in lights up, uh, shocking you and like just making you kind of reel back because uh, what was once pure darkness has lit up with a, a ghostly light. 
Um, and I think the people above you who are making their way down through this iron gauntlet uh, can see below them, like suddenly the place light up. And I don't know how that makes you feel, Throg and, and Gladys. I think Gladys has been thinking that this place is crazy and she wished she could take notes from whoever built it, but like she's got to get down there first. I think Throg assumed that they died and this is a good sign that they're not dead. Or they, they had a light switch at the bottom of the ground. <laughs> With their body. Triad uh, tri- 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 had a special uh, a, uh, flashlight system in his body that turned on upon his death. You know, it's a it's a now you cracked him like a glow stick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Break his spine and then light up the place. It's uh, all the it's all the what is it? The bronze dragon lightning leaking out. Mm-hmm. Bronze dragon lightning. Gosh, that's an energy drink. All right. Uh, but Trayan, you see what you found in the dark, which is the handle of a pickaxe, which has been slammed into the ground here, into the iron, and somehow is pierced pure iron ore in a way that you wouldn't think is possible. Mm. And f- from this item, uh, the most of the light is coming out of. Uh, there's other like the light is kind of permeating the room magically, mm. as if a, a a very powerful version of the spell light. Um, but from this pickaxe. Uh, a ghostly figure appears, a, uh, a dwarfen man um, who is dressed up uh, like he's go- you know going to work in uh, a forge or refinery or something, um, and he uh, just appears in front of you, made of ghostly light, and he says, "Is it a prospector voice? Is that is that what we're going to have here?" <laughs> Should I do a fresh? Is that too obvious? Should I just be like, hello, I'm a dwarf, I'm not a stereotypical one? <laughs> look, look, sometimes a cliche is good. Mm-hmm. Let's be like, it's me, I'm the dwarf. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just wild about those oars. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think your prospector voice is going to be one that Discord does not like and will not hear any of your dialogue. Oh. <laughs> All right, I'm being bullied by technology to give him a normal voice. Mm. Um, he, uh, the dwarven man says, "Hello, it's your boy Butkus, god of mining here. How you doing? Don't answer. This is a hologram. Ah, uh, you're probably from some kind of primitive rock culture. You don't know what a hologram is. It's okay. Are you enjoying my iron?" I left some space there for you to answer, but once again, I can't hear you. Uh, uh and like Trey is like fumbling over trying to say something despite being told explicitly he can't. There's what's going on. Oh, good, they're not dead, or something found them dead. We will see. I think, I think if Gladys is starting to hear like someone talk down there. Like, like she'd probably call out, like, are you guys dead or not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trey and you hear them uh, talking above you. Uh, they're, they're going to arrive, but they're going to miss this message from someone who identifies themselves as the, like the god of, of mining and, and the, the forge. Uh, and this uh, very uh, <laughs> smooth dwarf <laughs> who is not a stereotypical prospector or the, the Scottish Tolkien version. Uh, only because of discord and not because of cultural sensitivity, <laughs> um, says, says uh, 
the boss lady said we should make a, a video for the people who come next. You don't know what a video is. My apologies. It's a, a message, a recording to you, the people we bequeath this land to. Is bequeath too big of a word? I don't know how language is going to evolve after we're gone. Uh, what does bequeath mean? Uh, <laughs> <it's> like... <laughs> uh, the dwarf like turns to someone who's like off screen, as it were, wherever they're recording this message, and they're like, uh, take a note. Uh, do we have this? T- do we have to somehow transmit the dictionary to them in the future? They're gonna need it. They're only gonna know like dirt and fire and ow. I mean, those are really the only things you do need to know. It'll get you pretty far. <laughs> yeah, you like, <laughs> Throg's like, I agree uh, with this man. Uh, like, like Trey, and it's just sort of like fumbling a little bit in thought while looking between the pickaxe and the hologram and just simply is even just like trying to say along the lines of you know what what is this so you're probably wondering what this is to put it simply uh when the world was ravaged by a terrible apocalyptic event we the believers of the source got together to cast the most powerful godly magics to create a new world for the survivors to enjoy. Uh, This spell, unfortunately, used up our bodies as fuel, so we are gone now. Although I believe you'll be able to find my casket in the next chamber. We're preparing that currently as I speak. It should be done by the time you're hearing this. Um, But uh, in my realm, which I have created for uh, dwarves, gnomes, kobolds, uh, and our allies, anyone who would enjoy a, 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 the scent of fresh soil and a hard day's work. Uh, there's a, a great number of resources to utilize and appreciate. But I understand that my gift will also be a source of conflict. And so it will be up to you, the receiver of this message, to use my gift responsibly and share it equally with the others. Um, Someone off screen is like talking to the dwarf and uh, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we can do another take. Now I sound stupid. (laughs) (laughs) They're just just trailing off. Like they fucked up the editing of the hologram. (laughs) Are are we, are we down there yet to hear this or are we, uh, we still uh, climbing down? I think you can arrive when you, when it'll be funniest. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I think Throg is listening to this now, and he he's got like a very furrowed uh, brow, and he he's like processing this, and he finally says, "How did he know that we would be speaking the same language?" <laughs> and then he put the door in a different language. Uh, the dwarven god turns to his assistant and says, "What's the next one? Orcish." I don't, how, okay, well, with an accent, are we going to dub this? And then it just, like, cuts out, and then it comes back, like, uh, like a jump cut, and he's just like, Gorf, Gungan, Jun, Thes, Vrash, fuck, like, just clearly doing it off a teleprompter and just absolutely making a hash of it. I think um, Gladys is, like, I think this is around the time Gladys is going to make it to the bottom. She's, like, scrambling down the last couple of ledges to to like get down to the bottom is like just don't stop don't stop don't stop let let me get my notebook out hold on hold on 
Yeah, and unfortunately, my sixth sense of humor is that you finally get the 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 notebook out of your bag just as the the hologram switches off. Exactly. Uh, uh, I guess that. Hmm. Well, this thing is pretty interesting. As Citran like sort of looks at pulls the pickaxe pickaxe up and looks it over. Yeah, uh, Sid, Sid the elf says, hey, 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 that's some kind of legendary god weapon. Put that down. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just showing it to everyone. I mean, and it's just... The brave hero needs to heft the... Oh, my God. The relic. Put it... Oh, oh come on. This, I'm, I'm just not going to say this part in the, in the song. <laughs> uh, I mean, do you want me to heft it like this? And he's just like, he holds it like, you know, like a, like a, you know, like a link hoisting something up but the weapon doesn't you know spin around in the air above him he just holds it up in a a somewhat com- in a confident pose but confused confidence uh so we're, we're just at the bottom of this floor there's like light on now right what is what does this place look like while, while they're arguing over who should be lifting up a pickaxe Yes, uh, the pick the pickaxe is magical. It's enchanted. It was like the signature item of the of the god who created this place. So it is giving off a faint light. But now that you're down here, you also see that this chamber has some kind of technological lighting uh, that is now activated, and it is uh, far beyond the technology that you have access to or are familiar with. It is like mm-hmm. more like our modern, just kind of like. Uh, LED or you know something probably better than that and not like the torch you have in your mouth (laughs) Throg's been shitting in the woods for probably a couple decades now so I think most modern technology to him even for the setting is probably advanced sure Uh, but it's it's like being in like uh, you know the future or something this is like some kind of futuristic chamber Uh, and now that the lights are on you can see there is one additional uh, room here to go in inside of this of this butte. Okay. Um, first off, uh, I think Throg will ask uh, Treon if he can borrow that pickaxe for a second. I mean, sure. I mean, I'm not going to make much use of it. And Treon just sort of offers up the pickaxe to uh, Throg. Like while, while while like the discussion about like what like what's up with the pickaxe is going on, like Gladys. <sighs> Like is trying to get a good look at it, but like everyone's taller than her and like holding it up and above her head, and she's just kind of like, like huffs a little bit, and then while you're still talking about it, like looks up and sees if Justine and Bronco have gotten down yet. Yep, they have gotten down. They enter the, this chamber. Um, Justine is in a uh, winter form because uh, the the climb down was you know, harrowing, but seeing the light and uh, everyone okay, uh, she turns into her autumnal form. Um, and uh, maybe even spring, I think. I think spring, yeah. She's green, her hair's green, her eyes are green, uh, and she is happy to see everyone alive. All right, it's good to see that everyone did not die. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Bronco steps in front of the pool of trans blood to hide it from your view. <laughs> but, but... Uh, Tran just sort of like is a little confused and just sort of kind of pushes the pickaxe into Throg's hand because Throg did ask to look at it. So Tran's just going to just give it to him. All right. Uh, are any of these walls not covered in technology? 
Uh, yeah, there's, they're not covered in technology. There's just some mood lighting here. Most of it is iron. What's up? Yeah. Uh, I think they're all going to just approach a regular iron wall and see, well, let's see what this does and just swing at it <laughs> once. To... Uh, sure, make an attack roll. All right. Uh, I guess I'll just roll my spear attack. I guess minus one with the, because uh, this other one's enchanted. Mm-hmm. 17, so I guess 16. Unless there's an attack bonus. So you swing the pickaxe and it goes through the pure iron ore like it was uh, butter or probably like warm butter, not just like mm-hmm. room temperature. It's like it wasn't in the fridge. Uh, it sinks through it and then you can just wiggle the pickaxe through the, the metal, you know, just like it's liquid. Um, it's very strange. It's 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 obviously not only magic, but uh, extremely powerful magic. Mm hmm. So they, they've sort of made a, a ethereal metal ladle. <laughs> uh, Sid seems agitated by this and says, you all are treating this like it's just a toy. This is an extremely solemn moment, or it's going to be in the saga. I, I guess so. I just don't know what I'd use it for, you know? Well, I probably could have dug through the door a lot easier than having to get the snail to throw up on it. Sid uh, uh, jumps up uh, on the rock that the pickaxe was impaled on uh, to mm-hmm. be taller and just says to everybody, like, I don't think we should just let whoever grabs the pickaxe have it. It seems like a very valuable thing. Justine, uh, what do they, they do this thing here where they decide stuff? And Justine, like, looks quizzically from one and goes, oh, you, uh, home gang. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a challenge. <laughs> uh, and Sid is pointing at Throg and Justine. Uh, Throg shrugs and says, I was just going to move to the next room. I did not have any need to, to keep it for the moment, but if you wish to fight for it, then I, we will fight for it. Sid says, it will be way cooler if there was an epic struggle for the godly armament, don't you think? If you're going to go see this production and they just pick it up and walk away with it, it's going to be like a wet fart. Do, do you not remember how the giant steel blocks tried to kill us a little while ago you ought to intentionally get us more injured before having to go back up i I got squished real good well the giant blocks will be stage hands in in like paper mache it won't actually hurt when they run into the actors Right, but it will hurt if we try to get back out of here without another exit. Uh, I think Throck is flabbergasted by this, this, the, by Sid's complete lack of survival instincts. Uh huh. Um, is I think I think he'll turn to her to, uh, to Justine and um, what's his name, uh, Bronco. Do, do you see what I'm saying here? It it feels like you're working against your own interests. Uh, Justine says, I mean, we are here to, like, secure resources and, you know, do mapping and stuff. But, um, you know, Sid's here to write a cool poem that will immortalize this forever. So, I mean, everyone wants something different. Why why don't we humor her? Okay, if you want to fight down here, I guess we will fight down here. (laughs) All right, I got... A six. Throg, you're up first. Uh, I assume you put the pickaxe into the ground uh, so it illuminates the uh, the duel between you and Justine. Yep. 
she turns into her summer form, gold and fiery, and hefts this uh, iridescent executioner's axe. Your turn. Uh, okay, so I will cast, um, I think, Zephyr Strike. Uh, Zephyr Strike, uh, you move like the wind until the spell ends. Your movement doesn't provoke opportunity attacks. Once before the spell ends, you can give yourself advantage on one weapon attack roll on your turn. The attack deals an extra 1d8 force damage on hit, whether you uh, hit or miss. Your walking speed increases by 30. Okay, uh, so essentially I'm going to cast this spell, immediately activate the uh, ability to try to get an advantage on uh, on my first hit here. So let's see. Uh, 24. Oh, yeah. And that does 10 damage. So uh, 24 damage total, I believe. All right. Uh, so you jump in with your glowing spear and you start attacking. This is like a friendly duel. Uh, like the, No one's mad, I don't think, during this. But Justine is going to counter with her big axe, 19 and 16. Uh, 19 hits, 16 doesn't. Uh, 11 damage as you get slashed with the big axe uh, and uh, you know people in the watching start gasping the elves uh, Bronco turns to you Gladys and um, pushes the the helmet firmly onto your head <laughs> just keep you from getting scared <laughs> yeah that, that 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 helps Gladys is just uh on looking like the storytelling angle Sid was going for is interesting but she doesn't think this fight is super necessary but like she's not going to intervene at the moment especially because she's not uh scared of what's going on train just sort of like crosses his arms a bit and just sort of looks at the finds unfolds and then he says hmm, so how do you picture this playing out when in the final production sid uh it's gonna be like i don't know some wire work you know people flying around well, it depends on the audience, right? Because if it's an all elven production, then we'll probably have Throg be like a special effect, mm. like some kind of illusion or something, and maybe make him, you know, like 30 feet tall and he can shoot fire and stuff. So it's like really impressive when Justine wins. Uh, I'd like to note Throg is screaming and roaring like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And it's your turn. Okay. Um, I'm going to use a bonus action to cast uh, Ensnaring Strike. So the next time I hit with a weapon attack before the spell ends, a writhing mass of thorny vines uh, appears at the point of impact. The target must may succeed on a strength saving throw or be restrained by the magical vines until the turn ends. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And they take damage if they fail, I believe. Okay. Uh, so I cast that. And I think in this case, I am going to just try to stab them as a result. That hits. Okay, so that would just be uh, 14 damage, and on their turn, they're going to take another d6. All right, so that was a good turn for Throg. Uh, Justine is covered in like uh, sharp vines and uh, trying to fight you uh, when you have uh, way more mobility. Uh, 25 hits, and 12 is going to miss. Yep, um, and she takes 1d6 damage because of the restraint. All right, you take 11 damage. Okay. And uh, it's going to be your turn again. Uh, Sid looks very excited, uh, Treyan. It's just like, this is it. This is going to be the climax of the fight. Can you hear it? 
I need to, okay, hold this. And she's like giving you uh, uh, like a metronome or something. She's like, I need to get this timing just right on this, on the crescendo. Tran just sort of blinks once, but then shrugs and holds the metronome while the fight plays out. Um, so she took three damage from the restraint and she does get to make a saving throw on her turn to break free. 19. Okay, she does break free. All right. Um, meanwhile, Bronco gives you a thumbs up, Gladys. <laughs> that's that's nice. I think uh, I was thinking of since, since I got an opening to uh, say so, I wanted to like lean over to Bronco and just ask like, does is is Sid specifically treating this mission so seriously, or is she always like this with making things dramatic as possible? Well, this is her job, so she's basically always like this, I guess. Maybe if you got to know her really well, she would stop trying to turn you into a song, but maybe not. Hmm. I can respect the game. <laughs> if you've seen the uh, film Tick, Tick, Boom about the life of the guy who wrote Rent, there's a scene where he's having a fight with his girlfriend, and halfway through, she's like, oh my god, are you trying to turn this into a song? And <laughs> my girlfriend gets mad at me all the time when we're doing stuff, and I'm like, oh, that would make a great uh, D&D you know, quest or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I am, I think, going to again cast Ensnaring Strike uh, and try to recapture her. Uh, so I do that. I spend another spell slot. Uh, and then I am going to stab. Nice. Uh, that would be eight damage. Uh, I will roll the favored foe damage. All right. So she has reached the threshold where uh, she is going to yield uh, in this contest for the pickaxe. Do you want to paint me a picture of your victory? Uh, so I, I think, um, she, she breaks free of the vines again and tries to like, uh, and hacks at Throg to, to back him off. Uh, and he, he stumbles back, but he plants his back foot down. Uh, and then, uh, vine starts spreading up his, uh, spear arm and he thrusts forth into, into her chest, uh, as they entangle her again. Uh, and uh, fire rises in the out of his uh, mouth as he goes to just <laughs> effectively incinerate her, uh, when she then yields, and then he immediately uh, pulls his spear free, and uh, the, the 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 flames recede back into his throat. He goes, "Oh, okay." <laughs> she drops her axe next to the pickaxe, and they like stick next to each other, like in the ground, because her weapon is also very magically sharp. Mm -hmm. um, but she she drops to a knee uh, and goes from her fiery summer form uh, back to the the winter of man I just got owned, uh, and says, <laughs> "All right, was that good enough, Sid? It was a very climactic battle for the pickaxe instead of just some goobers picking it up and walking away." And Sid was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 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 Dragonborn, say something cool. They don't think it be like that sometimes, but it do. <laughs> Ancient Draconic saying. <laughs> I, I did that to myself. She writes that down. <laughs> uh, Bronco goes over and uses uh, cleric healing magic uh, uh, to, to heal everyone's basic, you know, wounds and stuff. Um, All right. Well... Now that that pickaxe has been settled, uh, congrats, by the way, uh, uh, a throg, you got yourself a little a trophy there, I guess. It will likely become useful. I think Gladys will quickly add, like, uh, 
Like, when we're not in the bottom of a huge, deadly pit, I would like to take a look at that pickaxe, if that's not a problem, Throg. Alright, so the pickaxe is a plus two weapon, and you can cast the spell Stone Shape, uh, but also include metal uh, once per uh, long rest, I think. I see. Um, because uh, you do not have all the godly powers associated with it, you can only kind of borrow them for a burst rather than wield it with impunity. But still pretty pretty good. Yeah, I, I think he'll he'll sort of like go up to the wall and just like, uh, I guess, casually hook it in and pull until he gets like a, a couple, like, I don't know, hand-sized balls of metal. And then he, he offers it to the, the snail as a reward for, for being his steed. Wow. You, if you didn't already have an animal companion, I would just give you the Glockstrapod. Mm-hmm. Is Gort, anyway, does Gort get to follow you down here? Is Gort, like, up at the top? I think I think I probably shoved Gort into my backpack and then <laughs> carried him down. <laughs> Dice Funk has a standing baby Bjorn rule. <laughs> if you have a baby, it has a Bjorn, and you can kind of Bjorn your baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic baby Bjorn rule. I gotcha. All right. Yeah, I think I think Gort's been marking his territory all over this um this very fancy technological room. Oh no. Um, I I guess like Tran just sort of just meanders on into the next room after all that to see what's going on in there. Trayan, you walk into the next room behind where you found the pickaxe. Uh, the hologram man told you that this is where his earthly remains would be. And sure enough, there is a coffin. Uh, there is There are more signs in Dwarven that you, no one can read in this party. So no one knows what any of this means. Uh, but th- there does not appear to be another exit. There is just a, a sarcophagus on a, a raised platform and uh, some signs in Dwarven. And that's it. Um, it appears that if you had uh, opened the door the way it was designed, there would be a staircase you could go back up. But because the door was uh, melted off its hinges, uh, that is not the case. So a lot of a lot of uh, things have gone a little uh, askewed here. Well, Tran does like walk up to the sarcophagus and just rests his hand on it, and basically says something akin to the line of just like, "Well, I know you can't hear me, but." You know, thank you for making all this land for us, I guess. Just wish there weren't so much so many people fighting over it. I think you you feel a like very deep but uh quiet rumble. I say deep like in terms of like pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh and it but it's it's not like overwhelming. It's not an earthquake. Uh, but there's just some kind of noise that you feel more than hear from the casket. Like there's a, you know, he blinks a bit, uh, a bit confused, leans in to rest his head against the sarcophagus as he's hearing the rumble to kind of get a feel of it. Uh, his, you know, kind of almost leaning in, probably a bit too much of his body weight against the lid of it, I guess, while he's trying to listen for it. All right. It sounds like you want to open it, uh, but make the character choice that it's kind of accidental. Yes, that is indeed what's what I'm uh, describing here. All right. So you're trying to listen to the deep rumbling. You put too much weight on the lid of the coffin. It slides back. It's a big stone uh, sarcophagus um, and something meaty and fleshy 
uh, shoots out through the gap that is opened when the lid slides back and slaps against your skin. Uh, It is uh, kind of a wet, unpleasant feeling, and then more of it strikes out at you um, and begins attaching itself to you. Uh, Everyone else can see this. I don't know how anyone reacts, but Treyon appears to be uh, being attacked by some rogue flesh. Uh, Throg's immediate reaction would probably be try to tackle Treyon away from the coffin. Uh, Gladys was uh, following Tra- like shortly and behind like Treyon and the others into these into this like room with the coffin in it, and like she's mid asking like, "Do you hear something in there?" But like one, but when the uh like coffin like slides open and train just starts getting like swacked by whatever's mm-hmm. in there, and and she's like, oh shit, is there something alive in there? I thought this guy was dead. Um, Gladys, you say that, and you see Throg tackle Trey into the ground, ostensibly for his own health. Uh, and the, whatever these, gl- like, globs of, like, meaty flesh are, these, like, substances, uh, begin burrowing into Trayan's body, like, through his scales, uh, Throg, which is probably pretty upsetting. Uh, Trayon, you don't feel any pain. If anything, you feel, um, warm and almost, like, energized. It's just, like... Uh, you know, you, like you just drank a big energy drink and your, your whole body is, is if anything, feeling better. Right. Like, 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 you know, there's a bit of a sh- surprise on Trayon's face and especially when he gets tackled down before he just sort of like, you know, he's just, he's just sort of looks up to Throg and just sort of like gently pushes back at, at him. Just like, yeah, get I'm into this. <laughs> Come on, get off of me, man. I'm, uh, I'm fine. Uh, Throg will be very concerned but i guess back off as he's being told to um to to well to back off yeah the elves are just like uh, standing by and uh you know standing at the back i think bronco says if he's possessed now i think we should probably like entomb him i don't know if you all want to do you have anybody have any explosives <laughs> justine like elbows him in the ribs <laughs> are are you all right Trayan? uh like like Trayan likes to sort of like Blinks for once or twice, and then he just does a kip up to get up onto his feet, bounces a little bit on his toes, rolls his head some, and it's just like, uh, I don't know what that was, but I I feel fine. I feel pretty good, actually. Hmm. Well, that's good you're not in pain. It's good you're feeling fine. Uh, I wish I wish I had learned Dwarven. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if I know Dwarven now. And Trey just <laughs> looks at the looks at the stuff around the sarcophagus. You do not know Dwarven now, no. Can I can I roll intelligence to see if I could act like I know Dwarven? <laughs> I mean, th- there is a role here. I don't want to tell anyone how to play their characters, but uh, I feel like medicine is the role that would uh, cut to the quick. I mean, train, tra- yeah, train has good medicine because you know he's an athlete, so you know sports medicine too. So uh, we could both try to figure it out. So yeah, I guess Thoggle like try to look him over to see if there are wounds on him or anything has happened here, or if like he's been. I, I think Throg's closest thing with he would be like this is some sort of fucking aberration taking over him uh, in some way. Train rolls a twenty four. <laughs> 
so 13 and 24 on medicine. Uh, Throg, you don't just see any wounds. Uh, you see that uh, Trayan's pupils have dilated. Uh, he seems to be at high energy. So you, you don't think he's, uh, you know, in any danger. With a 24, Trayan, I think you, uh, with the sports medicine background, I, you maybe have identified one of the blobs of flesh as it flung out at you uh, as a adrenal gland. Uh, which uh, leads you to believe that there are all these different uh, blobs of flesh were actually the components of an endocrine system uh, and that they have somehow fused with your body magically uh, and you feel great and putting two and two together from the the dwarves hologram video that he sent to you about the, his remains being in the next room you think you now have uh, the body part of a god uh, inside of you which is empowering you. In fact, you gain a level. Hell yeah. Nice. Wasn't this the plot of an Invader Zim episode? <laughs> Dark Harvest. People keep saying that, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the more organs you eat, the healthier you are. That's just facts. <laughs> Now I'm now I'm, uh, now I'm tangentially aware of how this mechanic works, um, but if you want to just re-explain it really quick for those that might be joining in mid-season, what's happening here? I guess. Oh, if you join in mid-season, you're gonna miss out on cocaine two and pussy two. Yeah, the sequel that we, we co- <laughs> co- co- cocaine two, the sequel to cocaine. You know, which is you know, uh, that's a it's a, it's a precious episode that everyone needs to listen to, but. Hypothetically, uh, for Dan, to uh, Dan's sake at least, since yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on here, and you know what, my girlfriend might listen to this. She's not going to know what's going on, so she's going to need for those it. two yeah. people only. This is what we need explanation. <laughs> I just feel like you're not getting the full experience if you don't know that we have improved upon pussy. <laughs> it's it's better now. It's just better. Um, what does it have like LED gamer lights? It's a sword, actually. <laughs> oh. Well, that's generally that's not where what I want to get near my genitals, but okay. <laughs> See, it's their own. All right. Um, so yeah, this is a mechanic this season is that the gods have created these biomes, like the uh, the hologram man said, and uh, their their last acts. Uh, the, basically, the spell wish, uh, which hurts you if you wish for too much. Uh, in the creation of entire ecosystems, obliterated most of their bodies. Uh, but you can claim their body parts and absorb them, which uh, gives you a level. However, you do have to multi-class uh, because it is uh, you know, not your body. And so the experience is uh, orthogonal to your training. Right. Um, in this case, I think what would make sense and kind of play well with the physicality of the dwarf is that this would be a level of fighter that Trayan is picking up as a result of this. Sid says, should I leave this out? It's kind of gross. I feel like the the climactic duel for the pickaxe is like a good act break, and then we just skip over the meat stuff. I think this is what the children call a post credit scene. <laughs> I think the meat stuff's very fascinating. I wish I knew more about this dwarf guy if only had been able to focus on what the fuck he was saying earlier. Yeah, Justine taps the pickaxe and says, can you turn that back on? I want to hear the message again. Yes. 
Is there a button? Uh, <laughs> Throg does the the classic uh, boomer tactic of shaking it and just kind of smacking it against the ground. Yeah, can you roll me religion? <laughs> sure, let's see what I get here. Minus one, what's this going to be? 19, that's a natural 20. Natural 20! 20. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Boomer tactics work. Yeah, I was literally going to say, like, uh, probably what happens if you shake it and you succeed, uh, it'll flicker on and off, because it was only supposed to be played, like, once, and, uh, like, to give you the same thing. But with a crit, I think you uh, accidentally access the DVD bonus features, um, and it projects, like, a couple of different... Um, things out to you it shows you like a map of uh arabella uh it is not fully filled in the details like really zoomed out uh but you see uh that it is essentially a flat earth situation mm -hmm. um the world you came from at the bottom of the mountain is essentially uh the pillar upon which arabella sits and it is a landscape that goes you know in every direction but then there's an edge uh it isn't you're not living in a globe uh world uh i would say that i think this is appropriate that he got to here by shaking and smacking it uh, in a boomer like <laughs> faction uh because if you think about it the dwarf is the most boomer of the classic D, &D races <laughs> i don't know that that's true i feel like you could make a great uh case for being the hobbits but um because mm -hmm. they just want to they just want to sit around and eat berries and stuff I think they're too chill. I think boomer, uh, dwarves are stubborn enough to get that that sort of like, like I if if you told a dwarf that sorry sir we're out of McChickens at the McDonald's, <laughs> I think he would he would take it as a slight on his honor, and then to demand to fight your manager. Uh, Gladys is it like, what's a more frantic word than frantic she's got her notebook out she's trying to draw the map as fast as possible before it like flickers away she's just screaming yeah it's hard to get a a good drawing of this partially because it's a three-dimensional image being projected and you have two-dimensional paper uh also because it is flickering in and out and is like being projected at a weird angle from a pickaxe <laughs> so none of it's ideal uh but you and he's shaking it yeah and <laughs> you're shaking it um but you you understand that you didn't come up like in the dead center of Arabella, you came up, you know, uh, kind of off to one side. And if you wanted to go east, you could eventually reach the edge if that was something you were uh, interested in seeing. Um, but while this is being projected, because you create uh, also the message is replaying. So the dwarf is saying, uh, you know, I'm the god of mining. I'm giving my life to give you these lands. I know that people are going to fight over them, but please come together in the spirit of partnership. And then like, oh, shit, we have to record this in Orcish uh, and then fucking that <laughs> up and getting cut off because they just like something went wrong with the end. They put they used a draft instead of the final mix export file. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> They, they chose final, but not final V3. Yeah. Classic mistake, you know. Rookie. <laughs> yeah. But, like, Trey and, like, when, when Gladys, like, you know, expresses frustration over not hearing them, he will relay as much as he can about what the dwarf said specifically when he heard it. So, like, so that she's not completely lost on that information. Um, other than that, though, like, Trains kind of like jogging in place a little bit and then just sort of feeling along the walls to see if there's any particular way out from down here other than just climbing up. 
We only got a map of Arabella, right? Not a map of this structure. Correct. Although this structure is, is simply a, a large butte. It is uh, not, there's not a lot going on inside. There's not anything else. So. Right. Uh, so I guess our options are either try to climb back up or we, just, we slowly dig our way out with a pickaxe. <laughs> yep. That appears to be the case. Uh, what do you want to do? Are the, uh, are the iron pillars still moving around above us? Yeah, the big iron blocks, absolutely. Okay. Okay. I I guess Throg will try to intuit based off of what um what he saw like climbing up here where the the thinnest amount of material he would have to go through would be and then just kind of start digging. <laughs> well, Throg, I actually want you to paint me a picture of how this happens because uh the metal is at your mercy. Uh, this is your ex- expenditure of the uh, the ability that this item has. So, okay, so it's not like the um, what is it the the pure because I think by raw it only lets you do like a five foot cube. Yeah. Uh, no, this, this is like one burst of uh, cool guy time. Got it. Um, all right. Uh, so there there's that old um, uh, american folklore story i think it's called uh, about john henry the the man who uh, races the steam engine to uh, dig a hole in the mountain yeah uh i think it's kind of like that throg is almost not even really activating this ability he's just like two-handing this pickaxe and like a machine ripping out chunks of this metal uh in like uh continuous uh like eight shaped strokes if that makes sense where he's swinging down uh uh from his right shoulder down to the left and then bringing it up from his left side and dragging it across uh again uh just hurling chunks of metal behind him as he is plowing straight through this wall i like that i could tell you were physically acting that out because of the way your volume changed (laughs) 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 um but yeah everyone can follow you as you uh tear through the wall with the pickaxe i I like that you're engaging with the american folklore subtext of this whole season, which is a, a pervasive and uh, dark <laughs> undertone. <laughs> yeah, what are we gonna fight? Where are we gonna fight a big guy with a big cow? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's very funny. This episode hasn't released yet, but audience, there's your big cow foreshadowing. <laughs> there you go. Uh, big cow episode dropping soon. Not a joke. Well, look, if you do, if you do a Jersey Devil episode. Just let me come on and voice it. it. I mean, I mean, please, come on, please, come on. There was a mech suit in season five called the New Jersey Devil. I don't know if that counts. That was that was the uh, my OC Pacific Rim uh, <laughs> Jaeger, actually, when I was 16. Perfect. Oh, my God. Are you at the age where you had a Pacific Rim OC? I can't imagine. I'm turning into dust. I'm ancient. <laughs> <laughs> I I had um I think I still have my ticket stub from uh when I saw that movie. That's cool you saved it. And then they fucked it up in the sequel. I <laughs> see I had the same thing but for me it was Power Rangers swords. So we're just from different generations. I I did love my Power Rangers when I was 5. Oh yeah. 
All right. <laughs> so eventually, uh, the party can get out of this Iron Butte. Uh, why don't you tell me um, how you all process what happened? Any conversations? Like, I need a whole scene of you all, like, going to, you know, make dinner on a campfire and be like, yo, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Well, for one, I, I do picture Trey and helping out with the cooking. He does have cooking utensils and proficiency with them. So I picture him helping out with the cooking, despite, you know, having gross God's endocrine system stuff stuffed in his body. But uh, so I, I would like to say, I think whatever food you put in front of Throg, he uh, chars it well done with his uh, breath weapon and then eats it. <laughs> <laughs> After splitting it with uh, Gort, of course. Uh-huh. That's cute. I love them. I love I love this for them. Uh yeah, I think I think um uh, Throg will be sort of looking at uh uh Trian, like circling him a little bit, stroking his uh his dragonborn chin whiskers. And then he finally says, Trian, I think you are starting to grow a beard. It appears the dwar <laughs> the dwarven endocrine system is affecting you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? And then, like, Tran, like, holds up, like, one of the, uh, one of the copper, like, skillets he has and just looks at the reflection on it and double check to see if there's a beard there. Throg points at him and goes, ah, classic draconic joke made you look. <laughs> mm. Uh, mm. But how are you feeling? It is not every day you get uh, the organs of a, another species inside of your body. Yeah, I can't say I've ever had that happen before. Uh, I will say that I guess it feels nice after falling down what felt like forever and uh, somehow surviving. Uh, I'm just, I'm honestly more just glad that like, Sid is okay and the other elves are fine too. Yeah, they arrive and they bring over their, their food. Uh, so it's it's probably uh, very pretentious, like things wrapped in leaves while you're all eating like a burned flesh or something. Some real jerk, jerky hours. Uh, and they're, they're, they're bringing over some uh, delightful uh, legless style treats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I think maybe like when Throg and um, Train are talking, maybe Gladys like has scooted in from the other side of where Train is sitting. So like he's kind of got both the party members on either side and she's like she is still taking notes but a bit more casually now because she doesn't feel like rushed about it that, that she did inside the pit and, and, and like I think she will ask like you said that you're fine did you feel anything specific when it happened it looked alien I mean it's so you ever like you know Ever had that, ever, ever taken, like, some, like, gelatin and, like, just, like, sucked it down in one big motion? It was like, you know, my entire body was doing that all at once. So it felt a little weird but warm, and then afterwards it just felt fine. Like, it felt, I don't know, kind of natural afterwards. I think the fact that the pickaxe and this endocrine system that you talk about are both unique does seem to be contradictory to sharing the bounty with everyone but maybe if we learned more about it like 
like, I, I'm going to take a closer look at this pickaxe. Maybe we could learn how to, like, mimic it, even, like, a small fraction of godly power to, to, to like, spread that to, like, other people. Oh, shit. Arcana. What, this would be so wild if in this, like, little prequel mini quest that we completely uh, overturned the entire economics of, <laughs> of this entire world. <laughs> 21 that's very very good um yeah so the the fact that the body part and the magical item were unique is you know a function of them being literally at the part of the body of a person and an item they had it's uh you know maybe short-sighted to leave them behind but uh also kind of inevitable when you explode yourself <laughs> i guess unless you destroy all your stuff <laughs> before you go but you know people are sentimental about their stuff like that especially gods who have like unique items is kind of part of their whole thing. Um, so th that, yeah, I think you, you've pointed out one of the, the hypocrisies or the, you know, not, not uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the almost like the inherent um, unfortunate contradiction of their intention versus, versus the reality, right? The, at best, the land itself could be shared, but these specific gifts can't be shared in the way that the gods might have hoped the fallibility was the word i was thinking of because mm. yeah as yeah. as the the dwarven man said he was part of an organization called the believers of the source which are not like the all-powerful sky god creators of you know like the most ancient myths not like uh zeus and odin uh but rather regular people who with godly powers and so extremely fallible and uh capable of creating a clusterfuck by accident despite the best intentions okay so these are not the final bosses in a megami tensei title got it these are like <laughs> the people you would recruit and or fight before the final boss it depends on the actions of the players uh, i am open to, <laughs> i'm open to any number of mega 10 endings uh but with the 21 i think Gladys, this is a great idea. This is exactly the kind of lateral thinking that I love tabletop in tabletop games so much is that you think uh, maybe democratizing the pickaxe uh, could be something. Um, I, I don't think right here you can just duplicate it, uh, but I think that is a definite possibility uh, insofar as uh, making this place uh, an operational mine is if you can make like mini versions of the pickaxe which can make things functional here. Uh, last episode, we rolled for uh, like scouting the place, and we got a great roll from Throg on a survival, uh, and you also did a roll. I think you got an 18 or something, so we got great rolls here. Uh, and, and so far as Dragon Quest is like setting up uh, the utilization of these materials, I think uh, you have done a great job, and we can we can play this out uh in the next you know uh yeah i was gonna say i think throg would either effectively agree with um uh what gladys is attempt proposing uh as well he he the the dwarf literally said what he was trying to get across to both the angels uh and the uh the honky tonkeries the uh, <laughs> uh the giant that we're we're here we have a chance to work together we should take it or it's just going to end the same way it did last time yeah uh <laughs> this party is laser focused on the themes and uh <laughs> become being good and uh, helpful <laughs> um 
yeah, so he would, uh, if once Gladys says what she says, he would effectively say this to the to Justine. Would would you acquiesce to working together here? Hmm. I think Justine, because she's eating, she's probably entered uh, spring mode. She just she is uh, enjoying uh, being a, a, a body and, and and you know eating food, um, and sh- it's good. Um, she probably nods thoughtfully and says, "That's really idealistic, and I think it'd be great if we could all you know join hands and share." Um, but I don't know if you remember Rex from like a week ago and the trying to kill us thing, I think you're going to have a hard time convincing everyone, especially because everyone has enmity that goes back generations. And, you know, we've all done things we're not proud of. Uh, I think Frog uh, sort of shrugs a little bit and says, the, the nature of life is to fight. Just because you have to, because of hardship is no reason to not try. Sid says, what was that story you were saying the other day, Throg, about some some war you fought in? Uh, and this is Austin calling back to last episode when you botched an insight. And your suggestion was that you let slip uh, something on a previous campaign you did uh, that was, uh, you know, unsavory or uh, 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 not helpful to the friendship. Yeah, uh so I, I think I suggested essentially that Throg was probably at some point put in the middle of um, uh, a conflict between dragons and elves. Uh, and he he sort of just says, sadly, there are things in my life I am not proud of. I am old and I have been fighting for too long. I have killed people who should not have been killed. And I have fought to keep myself alive. That is my... Those are my sins, and I do not deny them. The elves all look at each other in response to what you said, and Bronco says, you know, that's our point, though, is, you know, maybe you can find personal peace, but I don't think, you know, the families of the people you were killed, even if it was, you know, kill or be killed, uh, they're going to understand and want to share the magic pickaxe with everyone, (laughs) with you, uh, when they could kill you and take your ore. I am well aware of this, but that is no reason for me not to try. So I think the fallout from that botch last episode here is that they are uh, unconvinced uh, immediately. I'm not saying they can never be convinced, but I think Justine says, I saw the map. We're like, you know, pretty close to the eastern edge, all things considered. I mean, it's still going to be a long journey. Um, but I'm interested in seeing the edge and if along the way there are more of these god items and cool god body parts that give you superpowers, I think we're going to be moving on. Um, if you all want to stay here and figure out how to share everything and make everyone friends, I guess you're welcome to do that. Uh, but I think we're going to be leaving, so... If that is your prerogative, that is your prerogative. I, I don't think anyone made any pierogies here. I'm not sure what you're talking about there, Throg. <laughs> I think um, hearing what the elves' like, resolve is, I think Gladys is going to say something along the lines of, 
if you guys decide that you're wanting to move on, I don't think any of us have a reason to stop you. I think getting into the nitty gritty of figuring out this place is going to yield some really fascinating, exciting results, but I can't hold you back. You're not beholden to us, and I guess we're not beholden to you. Which, I guess, if you're leaving, would beg the question if you need this helmet back. Aww. Uh, Bronco shakes his head and says, no, it's my gift to you. I have other uh, accoutrements from home. Maybe in the next uh, one of these tombs, there's a a cool god helmet. Uh, And maybe also a a message that isn't completely mangled and garbled so that we can actually understand what they were trying to say to us. Oh, that would be nice. I hope you find that. Um, That is also a thing because there was apparently more information that that god was supposed to tell you and that it was lost in the edit. So... It's just like, I, I will appreciate this helmet for for as long as I'm able to hold on to it. It has been nice to not stutter over my words as much as I usually do. Yeah, you are immune to fear and you have advantage on intimidation. Uh, yeah, I guess Throg will say to them, well, I wish you luck on your journey and hope you don't die so you can make your play or whatever. <laughs> Sid says, "Well, if we die, as long as I leave most of the play behind, I think that might actually raise its profile. So, I don't know. I'm keeping it on the table. For what it's worth, uh, I don't think we would have been able to survive like we did without your help. So, you know, thank you, of course. And then he sort of gestures, like offers, like 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 a hug to them." If they are willing to accept. Yeah, I think you all are close enough and trauma bonded from fighting a giant and falling in a big hole that, you know, <laughs> at least, you know, side hugs and like back paths are appropriate. But I'm not sure where we're going to go next, but wherever you go, you know, safe travels and all. Uh, so the elves will leave in the morning. Uh, you like spend the net rest of the night, you know, talking. Uh, and they, they pack up and leave, and you see them off. Um, but you're going to stick around for a while. Once again, uh, the lo-fi campaign to study to. Uh, there's like a montage quality of you all uh, working here and uh, trying to do some things. Uh, what are those things, and what kind of conversations do you have? Pay me a couple pictures. Um, I want to pay off that 21 Arcana roll. Uh, as like part of a longer term project uh, for Gladys to, uh, I don't know, democratize the uh, the uh, the weapons, the the tools of the gods. Uh, in addition to any other things you want to do. Yeah, I think Gladys is probably going to have, uh, with Throg's permission, of course, like have like the the pickaxe like set up on like maybe like an impromptu like table or a mat or something, and she has like all of her little components and her potions and like her little notebook out and she's dedicating a like at least a fair chunk of her time just to trying to dissect how this thing works like she can't take it apart i like but like she can like try to test it on other materials try to 
like study what material it was made of, if the material's magic or if it's enchanted by the god who used it. Mm. Uh, if we're talking about what we're we're doing first, like um, essentially like what we did last time with the survival check, uh, uh, all that. Uh, whenever Gladys is not examining this uh, pickaxe, Throg is probably going up to individual buttes and starting to use its like metal shaping qualities to set up like the how would I put this the um the basics of a mining system like inroads into these buttes and things like that. Absolutely, I think something we haven't said out loud, which is kind of implied here, is that. Uh, dragons hoard things. Uh, every yep. different kind of dragon has a different thing it prefers to hoard. We've seen some very conceptual ones in the history of Dice Funk. There was like a dragon that hoarded love, mm -hmm. uh, but mo most dragons hoard metals. And uh, so as part of your stated mission, uh, uh, this all makes perfect sense uh, in addition to some of the things you've kind of added to the mission. So I think uh, getting this all started it makes a lot of sense. Uh, red, red is around, and some people come here from the uh, central settlement to check, uh, but n nothing particularly explosive happens uh, right away. Yeah, Terrain is just basically helping out however he can. Like, you know, he, there's uh, tr cuts between him, like, training and doing his, like, routines and then being basically a gopher running around uh uh helping to like carry materials one place or another or uh doing other things but otherwise he's just trying to feel out the the new endocrine system enhancements and stuff and otherwise just aiding as he can <laughs> Quinn just sent me a character sheet for a character called Cruncho Punch Punch. <laughs> is it is it a, is it a cereal based uh, monk? I don't know. I'm not opening it in the middle of recording. I just I just want you all to know that's what my life is like. Cruncho Punch Punch, beautiful. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. So I think uh, one night uh, when it's like later on uh, a bit uh, as like the the embers of the campfire sort of dying um gort's sound asleep uh maybe we're just waiting to, uh, uh on watch or, or what have you waiting to turn in uh throg will uh sit down near gladys as he's petting gort and say i would like to ask you a question oh yeah uh go ahead why did you choose to spare the giant? Hmm. It felt... I know it feels cruel to leave them with those skeleton hands, but it also just felt cruel to kill them. I didn't want to come up here to just kill whoever willy-nilly. Like, I'm here... I, I, I'm absolutely ready to defend myself, but... I would rather not leave a body count if I can help it. Have you killed before? Nope. Not a lick. I, I think Throg nods solemnly and says, I am glad that you have thought about this. I have lived a long life. Whenever you are fighting to survive, you must ask yourself questions. Does your opponent 
deserve another chance? Can their sins be forgiven? Should they be let to live? There are no answers to these questions that are correct, but you must ask them. I guess that's something I'll have to face if I ever have to come up with it, have to battle with that inevitability. It's just, I want to try to hold that off for as long as possible. I knew coming up here that staying peaceful wouldn't be easy. There, there will be times where that is not an option. There will be times where that should not be an option. But those, t but ki killing should not be taken lightly. I have killed too many. I do not remember how many, the face of every man I have killed. And that is my greatest sin. I will keep that in mind. Although, I do think there are a lot of qualities that I do admire about you. You're very brave and you know what you're talking about. You definitely have more experience in these things than I do. I, I was just a potion shopkeeper for a long time. I think this whole scouting mission came up because this is like new territory. There's a lot of things that I don't understand. You learn these things by making mistakes, and I have made far too many in my life. I pray that you will not make the mistakes that I have. Anyway, what was the name of your potion store? <laughs> like gladly gladys powerful potions and such oh it rhyme quite nice very good <laughs> I, I spent a long time trying to think of that i, I think i think throck thinks well, wow she spent a long time thinking of that Oof. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't say it out loud so what progress is made with the uh, the pickaxe and the, your plan to keep people from fighting over stuff? This is, for the audience, none of this is scripted. I don't have anything in mind. I, I'm genuinely curious about what your solution is and, and working on it because it's like the first time uh, player characters uh, in season nine have been like, uh, we would like to make this world cool and good. And we're not interested in like putting our souls in dolls or, you know, creating some sort of uh, blood fountain. <laughs> well, well, hold on. Maybe a blood fountain, though. That would be that'd be pretty nice. I, I mean, my thought would have been like it. My thought would be that it'd be sort of like a lighter form of the artificer's ability to infuse items so basically being able to find a way to glean a quote-unquote formula for how the pickaxe kind of functions the way it does and then trying to recreate it with the same sort of structure so if gladys's genius the reason she was chosen to go up here could be used to create kind of generic versions of the original name brand god items and then yeah, let yeah. let everyone have them that that could definitely be something. Yeah, so we're going up against big, uh, big deity um, by making generics and then making them <laughs> freely available. Um, you know, that's 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 a that's definitely a good idea. Uh, I'm trying to think of what would be the name of the the corporation that made the deity items there, the the name brands. <laughs> so if the other party is Pants for Pets LLC, is this going to be uh, Gladys's good potions and such? What was it? <laughs> 
I, uh, Gla- like I, Gladly Gladys's potent potions and such, I believe it was. It was either potent or powerful, but I think you got it. The Gladly Gladys uh, versions of things and the other competing co- company is going to be Pants for Pets LLC. This is going to be like season 13. These are going to be the two megacorps, like the Amazon and Walmart <laughs> of our setting. <laughs> <laughs> um but this is going to be an ongoing project right like so you rolled really well 21 uh but like you didn't just solve all of arabella this is like the first step of you kind of coming to a, an incredible solution for some things up here once again not a panacea but like it would be pretty sweet if everyone had equal access to uh the technologies of production uh but while you're working on this uh someone comes to visit this ecosystem uh that you haven't seen before I'm going to put a picture of them into the roll 20. Tell me how you feel about them. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's the little guy. Oh, shit. It's, my, it, it's, it's the little guy. Everyone loves this guy. A Grim Reaper <laughs> with hand puppets? This is a Yuan-T, or snake person, uh, who has uh, a number of snake heads on each of their uh, wrists and on their tail, in addition to the snake head where, uh, you know, the human head would be. Uh, Yuan-T come in a lot of different varieties. Uh, this one has different little outfits for all of his snake heads. Uh, one of his snake heads uh, has a little uh, harlequin costume. One is dressed up like a little crown and ruffle like a king. Another one has a, a, a dashing hat with a plume on it like a dandy. And the main uh, head has kind of a mourning veil on it. Yeah, Danny called him a grim reaper because he is carrying a scythe, uh, the, the handle of which is made out of bone. I don't know how you feel about this person as they wander into town uh, one day, but they are looking around. Uh, does anyone approach them? Uh, I guess Throg will, while silently thinking, how, how does it wipe? Which, <laughs> which hand has, ooh. Which Con- hand has to go about the solemn duty? Concer- it's it's got to be the morning veil. Concerning. Anyway. <laughs> Hello, friend. Uh, can I help you? Throg, you approach uh, the Yuan-Ti, who uh, you know, walks towards you, acknowledges you, um, and you are a little surprised when you, you don't see the mouth of the, the main head move, but you hear a voice say, Hello, little dragon guy. Uh, yes, hello. Um, who, who are you? Can I? Is there something I can be helping you with? Uh, the source of the voice, which is the head on the tail of the UNT, kind of wraps around the body and looks at you. This is the one that is dressed up like a little clown, and so it has <laughs> a little bit of a, a an informal tone. But then the main head speaks and says, Hello, I am Laser, and I represent a religious community at a farm in the north. We have heard that the mining operations are underway and wish to secure raw material to make farming tools such as wagons. That can of course be arranged. One of the head hands says, what is your price? The Throck says, well, what are you farming? What do you have to offer? We will need to, we can work something out, I am sure. Uh-huh. The the dandy head says, Oh, a man of commerce. We've left such things in the old world at our compound. Like, Gla- Gladys is definitely going to walk up because Laser looks 
very just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb laser and- yeah he just looks fucking cool so you know <laughs> Yeah, he's he's not hiding his light under a bushel, uh, but you can all approach. And obviously, uh, you cannot take laser by surprise. That's the thing about him. He has uh, 360 degree awareness because of all of his heads. So mm-hmm. he sees you approaching and like the clown face says, <laughs> another little one. This one's even smaller. Come here. Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. Please, sir. I'm a woman. I am 35 <laughs> years old. But hello. yes, a little my one. name's Gladys. What is yours? I am called Laser. I am the leader of the Duma cult. We are a sect of new nifixism. New nifixism? Is is this a religion that we might be familiar with from uh uh from our own world? Uh roll religion. Okay, let's see what we get here. Gonna roll religion. Tran rolls in. I got eight. a one. Wow. Uh, I got I got a eight. Not the best. Uh, yeah, eight one eight. The party fails miserably. You don't know anything in character. Uh, this person is carrying a huge scythe made out of bone. Uh, <laughs> so I think they strike you as kind of an evil cult guy. Uh, Throg's just- literally wearing a bunch of corpses. Sure, <laughs> true, but not of sapient creatures. That is, you know, maybe, who knows? Uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> Trayan? I mean, the train's just like, so uh, what brings you out here, friend? Oh, that's a great question. Laser's main head says, we are trying to start over in the new world. Most of my flock are halflings fleeing the persecution of the god king of Wormwood. We have found new purpose in simple farm work in silence. I play jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the other heads scowl at the clown head. I, I think Throg just kind of says, we will happily give you the materials you may need if you can provide something to help us in return to set up this mining operation a bit smoother. The king head says, we already provide the central settlement with food in exchange for labor and materials. How thin do you wish to stretch us, dragonborn? I think Throg says, well, if you're providing the materials, maybe we can arrange some sort of equitable deal that benefits everyone. It's not a matter of commerce. It's a matter of help for help. The dandy says, Well, we need the materials to build carts and wagons. I suppose you could have some of those. That You need that to move. Or do you not? Honestly, that would help. Carrying it all by hand has been a bit of a strain on my back, to be honest. Ugh. Yep. Uh, <sighs> dog would clap his hands together and goes, There, that is an equitable, happy... A happy compromise. Yep. <laughs> Let's shake on it. Uh, and uh, a snake mouth is offered to you. How do I? Train, I'm... train just, train just takes it, and just shakes on it on uh, without without consulting Throg first. Just 
Yeah, Throg hesitates because it's a mouth, not a hand. <laughs> but she cherry on. Well, I think I think he's mostly concerned about sort of grabbing it by the face and then like, do I do, do I go for the throat? But that also does not seem right. What is mechanic here? No, no. So, like, like here, here, here's how you do. It. You, you cup your hand like this, slide it in. There you go. Now they can close the mouth on your palm, and then you shake like that. It's not that hard. You're just overthinking it, Throg. All right, so the first thing that's done with the metals uh, here in Arabella is to the creation of uh, farming equipment and wagons that we know in the future uh, will be at Duma Farm when Pants for Pets LLC uh, hijacks them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that this, the, the materials left here, the, the wagons left here at the mine, are where uh, our friend Korvok Greenwielder will bi- build Scorpion. So... That that has all come together in in a way. By the way, um, what do y'all do for fun up here at it? If you don't mind me asking, uh, Laser. I have many important responsibilities. The king head says, so I don't engage in much fun, as you say it. Uh, the clown head says, I do. I have lots of fun. And then the dandy head uh, interjects and says. We have been sending hunting parties to the mountains to the north as a kind of fun hunting big game. Uh, Throg's eyes light up at that. What sort of game? There is some mysterious creature that preys on the livestock of our farm. I've seen it towering over the horizon. But none who have gone to slay it have returned, including several angels. So I am not hopeful for adventurers of your stature. Might have been those ones that challenged us back in the town. That's concerning. I, When you say, how, how big is this beast that preys on your farm? What's the biggest thing you've ever seen? <laughs> Maybe like uh, a million times that big. Um, I'd like to roll, uh, I guess, insight here, because Throg is a little bit concerned about how few details that are being provided. Um, because if if it's on the horizon, that would be far enough to get a, a look at it. If it's a massive, incredibly large creature. And if it's so big that it's uh, impossible to to interpret up close, why would it just be eating livestock? It would be, or it would wipe out the entire farm in one go. Is what what he would be thinking. He doesn't really understand what this creature is. With an above average on insight, you think that Laser is telling the basic truth, like he's not, uh, you know, feeding you some kind of elaborate ruse. Um, but uh, honestly, he is probably downplaying how scared he and his flock are of it, and that they're hiding from it, uh, and that it is kind of just this big inexplicable monster. I put a painting into the roll twenty just now by Tomislav Yagnik, which is uh, kind of the vibe that we just when we described this thing before. Uh, it is, it is like when you see it on the horizon, uh, from the farm, it seems to be inexplicably huge, but the farm is some ways to the north from where you are currently. So you wouldn't be able to see it from here. 
Got it. I believe this painting is actually called Dude Wears My Frisbee. Uh, it's yeah it's called it's called uh is everything okay down there yeah i'm good or something uh, like yes, that yes the dude, dude where's my frisbee is a different one actually now that i think about it about um, the same artist yeah <laughs> that tells me that this guy is probably actually pretty cool so i think we should investigate it <sighs> like tran just sort of like crosses his arms a bit and just like well whatever it is i'm pretty sure that we could help help out in some way and he just sort of like you know, not, not really like flexes, but just sort of like shows uh, has a little bit of bravado about the whole matter. All right. Well, as you discuss uh, terms, both for uh, getting ore to make wagons, uh, but also potentially for you going north to Duma Farm to check out this monster, uh, you're kind of walking around the operations here. Uh, and when you go inside of the ore uh, butte, the iron butte, uh, where you were earlier, uh, Laser sees uh, the chamber with the, the sarcophagus and where the pickaxe was. And, you know, you're just casually explaining this all. And he seems to stop cold. Um, Is that a problem? Are you, are you all right, Mr. Laser, sirs? You wouldn't happen to have seen a door. Maybe with some kind of weird writing and symbols on it? For no reason! Don't read into it! It's not- it's fine! <laughs> oh, you mean the thing that was at the- way up there on top of this, uh, butte thing? Yeah. Yeah, we saw that a while ago. Because the shattered remains of the door fell down the- the shaft from the- the surface and, like, were crushed and, you know, basically deposited in a pile in the main chamber, uh, he has to like walk over and sift through the rubble with probably the edge of his uh, like scythe, uh, and he sees like some of the symbols on what's left of the door. And Laser turns to you with a kind of determination and purpose, and says, "You must come to Duma Farm immediately."